last week, we, um, we, first Sunday of the month, we sang happy birthday to a number of people who had had a birthday or were going to have a birthday in the month of June. Well, as I've said earlier, today we should be singing happy birthday to the church. To many, this is the day that the church started, Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I must admit that I agree with the sentiment. Along with Christmas and Easter, this should be our other great celebration. But that doesn't seem to be the case, does it? Well, celebrated or not, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus spoke often about the coming of the Holy Spirit, especially as part of what is called the farewell discourse. In fact, John spends three chapters from 14 to 16 on Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit's role in the life of Jesus' followers. When I was growing up, we used the term Holy Ghost in church, but these days it seems to mean something different, doesn't it? Most, most people don't use that term. The word ghost simply meant spirit. But today, people think of haunted houses or Halloween when we hear the word ghost. As I also explained last week, I had a rather mixed up education in the church. So when I was going to church as a young fellow and they used the word Holy Ghost, I thought the church was haunted. I hated going in if the lights weren't on. (laughs) Well, misunderstanding often seems to follow what Jesus says from time to time. I've heard Christians, and I've thought it myself, how great it would have been to be in Israel when Jesus was around. It would have been so much easier, wouldn't it? Jesus would have explained things better and we would have been so encouraged we'd want to go and do better. Well, we can think that. But I bet we wouldn't have been much different than the disciples were. In all four Gospels, people around Jesus didn't seem like they really knew what was going on. Some of Jesus' closest friends betrayed him and denied him. Even John himself, who in his gospel refers to himself as the beloved disciple, ran away when things got difficult. I suspect that if we were there, we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have had anything, anything difficult to work out. It would have been just as hard. Jesus would be just as complicated. Yes, he would be compelling, but he would also be puzzling. Just look at this conversation with Philip. Philip seems to ask a relatively straightforward question, but the answer he gets is anything but straightforward. Firstly, I'm sure none of us read the passage literally. 
when Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, meaning that the Father is a Jewish man of flesh and bone. The phrase, he who has seen me has seen the Father, refers to the works of the Father being seen in the words and deeds of Jesus, who is God in flesh. What he is saying is that the Father and the Son are the same nature. We see the Father when we see the Son means we see the Son in unity of nature with the Father. The writer of Hebrews sums this up perfectly when he writes, the very image of the Father and the Father's substance when we're talking about the Son. Jesus is saying, what you see me do and hear me say is only done because God the Father is allowing it to happen through me. That is why Jesus points Philip to remember the things he has done, the works of Jesus. Jesus is saying his words and works are so different from anything else that is happening at the time that it had to be the Father in him doing these things and the only way that the Father could do them was that Jesus was in the Father. Jesus goes on to say that those who believe in him will not only do what he's been doing, but will go on and do greater things. Greater things. Think about that for a moment. Many of us will be saying to ourselves, what greater things? Well, firstly, let remind us that these verses are part of, a great, of the great discussion where Jesus is preparing his disciples that he is not going to be with them for much longer. He is preparing them for a time where he won't be there. But also within this conversation, Jesus says that whilst he will be leaving them, he will not going to leave them. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphan. I am coming to you. How does that work? How does he leave them but not leave them? Jesus is going to send another advocate, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him, but the disciples can. He abides with them and he will be in them. But the word they use for Holy Spirit can be translated into a number of, a number of other words, into advocate or helper or comforter, and they are rich and many-sided words. When they use the word helper, they don't just mean simply someone who comes along your side and, and lends a hand for various tasks. It also means someone who will give God's people strength and energy to be the people of God, to live and do the things God calls them to do. Some translations also use the word comforter. We all know what it is like to be comforted. When things are difficult, we all need support and this support helps us cope with all sorts of difficulties and disasters. It gives a strength, a different sort of strength. When the Spirit is spoken in these terms of comforter, it is a kind of 
extra strength to meet special needs that, that he has in mind. Also, the Spirit is also referred to as advocate. An advocate is someone who stands up in a court of law and explains to the judge and jury how things are for his or her client's point of view. The advocate is somebody who pleads your case on your behalf. From a Jewish point of view, they saw things in terms of a heavenly law court with God as the judge. Jesus is assuring his followers that they can rest assured that their case will be heard. God will be constantly reminded of our plight, our problems, our issues. The Spirit will advocate to the Father on our behalf. As a result of the promised Spirit, helper, comforter, advocate, Christians today are in fact better off than Jesus' disciples were during his lifetime. There were, of course, times when they were able to do amazing things. But most of the time, it seems that the disciples following Jesus around were confused and perplexed at the things and the events happening around them. But by the Spirit, they were able to do all kinds of things. Jesus going to the Father, that is to say, through the defeat of death by his own death and resurrection then all sorts of new things or works are going to be possible. Jesus also makes a statement here about the power of prayer. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Of course, that doesn't mean by simply adding in the name of Jesus to our prayers, we will get whatever we want. As in many cultures, when we do something in their name, in Jesus' name, it means doing it in their character, doing it like they would. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? It means that as we get to know Jesus, who Jesus is, so we will find ourselves drawn into his life and love and sense of purpose. Then, then we will begin to see what needs doing, what we should be aiming for. When we then ask, it will be in Jesus' name and to his glory, and through that, to the glory of the Father himself. But don't be put off or feel disappointed. When we understand all this, we shouldn't forget one word, one word that Jesus used. That word is anything. Jesus said it and he meant it. Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the comforter. This promise is to all who follow Jesus. This is the miracle of Pentecost, that the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, to all who call in the name of the Lord. One of the limitations in contemporary church, or actually through the church throughout history, is the ongoing desire for a priestly caste, 
for a bunch of people that are ordained who have some special power. I'm ordained, so you know that's not true. (laughs) But it is. Even in the Pentecostal and the charismatic churches, they venerate the leader as a man of God who alone has the anointing. Yes, the Bible is clear that God calls and equips certain people to lead the church. That's true. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all believers. All followers of Jesus must engage in this ministry. That ministry is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to finish today with a very, very simple prayer that's on the screen. I'll give you a moment to read it, and then if you feel comfortable with what it says, please join me in saying it. Together. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Give me faith today to do the greater things that Jesus promised I would do. Amen.